It's Tuesday at 8pm and you're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and tonight food, drinks and travel writer Ali Dunworth returns to the programme to share her list of Irish cookbooks that make the perfect Christmas gift. And we also hear the Conceal Mead Company story, thanks to Kate Dempsey. But before we hear from Ali and Kate, a reminder that you can make contact with me here at the best possible taste by dropping me an email, s.noonan at live.ie, or you can tweet me at Queen of Org, as in Queen of Organisation, and I'm also on Instagram at Sharon J. Noonan. So a few weeks ago, Ali Dunworth wrote a piece for the Irish Times sharing a list of amazing Irish cookbooks. I spoke to Ali last week about each one, so let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Ali, great to have you on the programme this evening. And the reason you're joining us tonight is because of a really great article you wrote for the Irish Times last week that focuses on Irish cookbooks, which make great gifts this Christmas. And you yourself love to give a cookbook as a gift. Hi, Sharon. Yeah, I really love giving cookbooks as gifts. And I think there's sort of a a bit of a knack and a skill to it. But so I've actually done a roundup of cookbooks, I think the last three years for Christmas for the Irish Times. Um, Last year, I did books that were all just about the Christmas dinner. But this year, what really struck me was there were so many Irish published cookbooks. And we don't often get that much of an influx. And there was a lot of um, new and very interesting. I think the publishing industry in Ireland is changing a little bit and it was exciting to be able to pick out sort of some of the better known commercial ones and then some of the newer ones. And I think whenever it comes to cookbooks in Ireland, Nevin Maguire is usually top of the list and possibly and certainly in my case a sort of cookbook that I would buy immediately for myself and you actually haven't included Nevin on this list. I know, I know. Sorry, Devin, but <laughs> and I do have it. What the latest one is? Uh, I think more midweek meals, and I cooked from it last week. Um, I adore Nevin's cookbooks, but I think when you're giving someone a present of a cookbook, you might want to think outside the box a bit. And I think, like you said, you always buy Nevin's cookbook. Like I will buy every Nigella book and cook from it. Um, So I think people have their chef. And certainly if you know someone who doesn't cook from Nevin, it's a really good gift. But I'd go back a bit and, you know, get an earlier one and introduce someone to Nevin properly if they haven't cooked from Nevin. But I wasn't purposefully leaving Nevin out. I just thought a lot of people are going to buy Nevin's anyway. Absolutely. I totally agree with that. And this this list that you have is really diverse. Some of them are familiar to me. Some of them aren't. And you have highlighted who each one is perfect for, which is really useful. So let's start with Ballymaloo Desserts by the, the lovely J.R. Ryle. Now, this is a fabulous cookbook. I don't know if you've seen it yet, but it's Fiden. So it's an Irish author and Irish content, but not Irish published. So they are a very big, um, I think they're probably European-American. They're very big. They cook, they, they print a lot of the 
big name cookbooks. Um, in Ireland, I know JP McMahon has done one with them, the Irish cookbook, which is also brilliant present. But the fighting books are bigger and juicier and they are expensive. They're coffee table books as well as cookbooks. And this one from J.R. would work for both. So if someone just loves beautiful books and likes photography, the photos in it are by Cleana Prendergast, who's an incredibly talented Irish photographer. And it's just gorgeous. If you love desserts, you probably know J.R. He is kind of behind the very famous dessert trolley in Ballymaloo House. And he would have learned his skills from Myrtle Allen and the book really is kind of his homage to Myrtle and how she trained him and everything that she taught him and her philosophies through Jor's eyes so it's beautiful so you'll have like I think there's about 140 recipes in it really seasonal really Irish and one of the key things I think about buying cookbooks that are Irish focused as well is like you'll be able to get the ingredients for this so that's important because you could buy a dessert book from there's some fantastic American ones. There's fantastic Australian ones, but you might not be able to get all those ingredients in Ireland. So I think this is a gorgeous one for coffee table beauty book enthusiasts, but also anyone who likes to cook desserts. Definitely. And I think it's fair to say that Ballymaloo has such an international brand awareness that um, going with an international publisher means that that is going to be available available to that international audience that just love Ballymaloo. Yeah, and it's incredible to have now, you know, there may be more, but to recently have two Irish chefs in the Fiden cookbook collection because you generally see them printing like the kind of Copenhagen, like the Favkid books, like Noma, like the very, very well-known global chefs. So even that's really cool. And Jor is very... Um, you know doesn't big it up himself too much but it is a really big deal I think to have the book published by Fiden and it's beautiful they've done a really really good job the next book that we're going to talk about is by a couple from Tremor who I actually came across because of you Ali they were guests at um, Taste of Dublin a couple of years ago so tell us about Mezzi this book is absolutely gorgeous. So if anyone, people might have heard of them. They have a kind of shop deli restaurant in Tremor. And um, they're a couple. They cook together. It's very much Middle Eastern focused. And they it's just all their favorite recipes. So they've been cooking together for years. And they've lived in the Middle East. And they've lived in New Zealand. And now they're back in Ireland. So again, if anyone is into that, Ottolenghi Middle Eastern style cooking it's incredible to buy someone an Irish cookbook with that focus because again the access to ingredients is a little bit easier they also sell a lot of the ingredients themselves so during lockdown they expanded into a online shop so you can actually buy um, ingredients and equipment and everything that's relevant to Middle Eastern cooking from their website and from their shop but it's gorgeous loads of sharing dishes loads of beautiful things again lots of seasonal lots of vegetables and I think that it's great if you are giving someone a cookbook sometimes it's nice to give them a little bundle so you might buy this book but add in a few of the ingredients from the website so if someone is just starting off in that style of cooking you maybe give them a few starting points as well and it's a nice little package to give someone I'm sure they sell the book in a little package as well I was delighted to have Devere and Nicola on the program um whenever the book came out so if anybody wants to find out more about 
their story it's well worth having a listen to so if they look on my website they'll be able to to get that interview and we're going to move on now to books by two different lilies lily higgins that people will will know well but maybe not so familiar with lily forberg i had never heard of lily forberg so tell us a bit about her well i know lily forberg from instagram really is how i came across her and she very much cooks those oh my god i don't know what I want to cook for dinner tonight and you see a little video on her Instagram and unlike some of them there's no big elaborate shop like she works with supermarkets so everything she uses you can get like in the shop down the road you know there's nothing too fancy in it so it's lovely that's really approachable um she I know is a photographer so everything looks beautiful which helps but she also cooks very much family focused meals so like her stir fries she'll do like little sweet and sour porks she'll do loads of lunchbox so definitely if you have kids but you're kind of I know I don't but a lot of my friends my age that do hate cooking they've lost any kind of raw for it and this I think is an easy way to get back into a few very very simple very approachable dishes and like she has fun while she's doing it so you kind of want to eat everything so yeah it's a really a, a nice one definitely for any kind of busy busy family homes I think but that really like food Mark Doe, who's the, the chef owner of Just Cooking Cookery School in Kerry, gave me a great tip a number of years ago whenever you're trying to encourage your children maybe to eat different dishes and it's to hand them a book like Lily's Family Favourites and get them to go through it, look at the fabulous images and sit and, and identify, the child identifies, yep, that looks nice, mummy, I'd, I'd eat that or I'd eat this and they kind of you know, pick half a dozen, a dozen recipes in the book that look great that they're willing to try. Um, he's he found that that was a great way to to get his children to be a bit more adventurous whenever it came to to eating different dishes and obviously, you know, um, dishes that are easy and quick to make is is really important. But that's such a good tip because I think that even with Lily's, like the great thing about it is you could pick things out of the cookbook, but then she'll probably have um a video on Instagram to go with it. So you know, sometimes like a picture helps with, but a re- a video helps even more if you are a little bit unsure of things but she doesn't use any fancy language everything is so straightforward so it's really easy easy approachable cooking and lily higgins and the homemade year it also includes very easy handy to make dishes but there's lots more in this book i love lily higgins and i think this is a really really nice book um obviously her recipes are really easy to find because she does one every week in the irish times but this is more a, a kind of it's called a homemade year so she focuses on loads of homemade crafts and ideas what's really nice is it brings you through the seasons so she talks about sewing she talks about Beltana. she'll show you how to make a saint bridget's cross how to make a wreath like pumpkin carving and what to do with the insides so like it is for someone who maybe is a little bit more hands-on and into that kind of crafting um side of things it's a really nice collection of crafting and food recipes and seasonal things she'll have like jams in there and pickles and things so it's kind of one of those ones that you could you'll enjoy reading it as much as you will dipping in and out of it but again probably a really nice one to do what you're talking about with the kids because there's loads of activities in it so you could hand them over and say you know 
here's crafty afternoon pick something out of this but then also have recipes in it as well so yeah another gorgeous one for like families for homes and then for the baker because like some people love to bake but they may not like to cook and they do say that it's a different skill set to be a baker versus a cook you know with bacon it's more important in a lot of recipes to to be very particular about your quantities and whatnot and you have have bake by the cupcake bloke who is Graham uh, and would be well known to people maybe from TV or going to different events in Dublin. Yeah, no, I'm probably a little bit biased with Graham's book, Bake. Um, I wrote the intro for him, but I also, I'm a huge fan and I know him because I'm a huge fan. I would used to buy um, buns, cupcakes from them when they first started in Coppinger Row. So I feel like I've known them the whole way through the journey and I'm addicted to a lot of his products, including the Brack in particular. This book is beautiful. Again, it's all about baking. And what he's done is he has taken the traditional Irish baking. So he will have a traditional soda bread recipe, but then he will have a soda bread recipe with a twist inspired by his travels. He will have like a traditional tea brack and then he'll have like a coffee brack alongside it. So for anyone who wants a collection of and really wants to cook those old school Irish cakes, scones, things like that, they're all in there and then modern twists of them like I think it's a collector's item like it's a really special cookbook I think it's one of those ones that you will go back to again and again again just as beautiful to read now Graham also is very clever in that he sells it in his shop and you can buy it directly from him and he will sell it to you in a bundle with a few ingredients as well which is a really nice thing to do because he uses Middle Eastern spices he uses maybe things that you might not pick up in the supermarket in his modern twists of the recipes so it'd be really nice maybe to give someone that like a baking tin a tea towel maybe a few ingredients but yeah bakers will absolutely adore this fabulous and then for people who maybe like to have nice collections together on the shelf Kristen Jensen's Blasted book collection has been a huge hit since she came up with the idea over 12 months ago I mean, the Blaster books are gorgeous. I'm sure you've probably had chats about them already on the show, but her first release for this year was for, um, they're like an A5 size book. And individually, they make a gorgeous presence. Like Lily, the first one they did, Lily Ramirez's Tacos, is stunning book and again a gorgeous one to give with a few ingredients because it's very much, there's you know, it's her Mexican recipes. You've got the cook. The United Nations of Cookies, that's Jess from Kai and Owen from Bread 41. Again, a great one for bakers. And they've collected all those recipes from um, Irish nationals. So it's kind of a United Nations of cookie recipes. Hot Fat, which is the gastro gaze, which is a must for anybody who has a deep fat fryer or just likes chips or, you know, you know how they cook really tasty stuff. And walk is the latest one that again, as a standalone presence, like I'm going to give that to a lot of people this year because it's Quan Ji Chang. And he it's the first kind of Irish Chinese cookbook, I think really. So, you know, we have a particular style of Irish Chinese food that we like to eat. And Quan Ji, I think nails it in this book. And again, his recipes are really straightforward he cooks a lot he cooks for his family he cooks in the restaurant so he gives you 
versions of everything really approachable you can buy that as a bundle and it sits really nice on your shelf or if you know someone who already has that pre-order next year's one so she's already announced the four titles for next year and you could pre-order that and then you know someone can look forward to getting that next year but on Bloster Books she's got loads of bundles packages with tote bags with cooks so and it's gorgeous like another thing is to mention when you're buying your cookbooks is if you can buy them directly especially from Blosta from Meze like they're producing them themselves if you could buy them directly you're given as much as you can to the authors and the publishers buy them in Easton's the big cook places if you have to but if you can go smaller and kind of get more money back into this gorgeous world of cookbooks yeah that's definitely um, a good idea a great tip to buy them directly where it's possible um, and moving on then, Ali, to somebody who is maybe very much into their fitness and they're eating their proteins and all of that. Um, the book that's called Eat Up the Next Level by Daniel Davey is perfect for, for a gift for that person. Yeah, now technically this kind of eating and cooking is not my world. Eating as fuel, like no, I want to think about where it's from and who made it and how it's going to taste and how delicious it's going to be. But I'd actually worked with Daniel a few times on um, a few, done a few demos with him and was really surprised by his knowledge and love of food. So actually the stuff he does is really tasty. And he is uh, like he works as a coach for professional athletes so he really does know what he's talking about and when I went through this book like there's actually loads of really brilliant solid advice so if you are training it's kind of a lot of those books have a, there's a lot of nonsense out there and a lot of selling things to you but this is genuinely good practical advice so I actually gave this to my friend recently who is into marathon running over the last few years and really into training and that's her world now and I know she struggles with like changing her cooking skill and her recipe repertoire to suit her new way of training so I was like this is actually going to be perfect because it's got loads of advice in it and again Irish um, uses ingredients you can get easily nothing convoluted or nothing too complicated in here. The next book that we're going to talk about is definitely one that I'll be getting for the, the smallies in this house and it's Chop Cook Yum by Deirdre Doyle. Uh, I, I, this is a really nice book for kids and I, lo I love to give like my nieces and nephews cooking related stuff. I've given them knives before you can buy like these little you know, your first professional knife. Um, I give them cookbooks before but it's nice to see a cookbook that is very the ones I've given them before might have been like a Sesame Street cookbook or, you know, kind of gimmicky, but this is genuinely all about eating and it's laid out in a gorgeous way. Again, definitely one of the ones you'd hand over to them and say, what do you want to cook today? And Deirdre Doyle, I know, has worked in schools and has worked directly with a lot of children. So she knows what they react well to. So it's a really nice one to give to kids. And you could give them that with a little an apron or with another present as well for the kitchen. And um, speaking of children and, and you've mentioned social media also, you have a book there that is perfect for TikTok addicts and fakeaway fans. So some of the, the younger members of the family may have come across Daniel Lambert on TikTok. Yeah, now Daniel Lambert is huge on TikTok and a really nice story. He's an Irish chef. Um, he was working in Harvey's Points um, during lockdown. He started cooking, shared a few recipes 
I think he said that he started once he started deep frying stuff, everyone was like, Oh, what's that? Works really well on TikTok. So he, you know, he is a professionally trained chef, so he does know how to cook, but he's definitely got a load of those recipes that are very um Instagram, TikTok friendly. But because he is, you know, a, a chef as opposed to someone who's kind of come up on TikTok, he does understand recipes. So he's written a really nice book that has I think it's the kind of stuff you see on Instagram you really want to cook. Now, I prefer, if you want, if you have a teenager that wants to cook like that, it'd be nice to give them this book, get their heads out of the screen. Maybe they'll cook from the book instead. And I think any cookbook that will get someone to cook from a cookbook that hasn't done it before is a good idea. So if that can be a bridge from screen world into the kitchens, brilliant. And he's got like cookies in there, like, you know, lots of the fake ways like homemade spice bags and tacos and you'll want to eat from it i'd be happy to eat any of the recipes from there i think i'd be happy to eat any of the recipes from any of these books ali especially if somebody else was making yeah. them for me yeah exactly <laughs> and the final book then is um it's like a combination of growing food and then eating it so there's gardening advice and tips in it as well yeah, the GIY Diaries from Michael Kelly, who, I mean, a lot of people will know him from GIY Ireland. This is a beautiful book. And again, particularly relevant that it's Irish focused because it's all about growing. And there's loads of really good growing books out there and kitchen diaries. And I have quite a few of the UK ones. But when you get one that is modern and there's a lot of older ones in Ireland but this is like a modern Irish one so he really understands the hectic crazy weather here and what will grow inside and outside in Ireland so it's a guide to growing your own but also recipes you could do with that so if someone and I know a lot of people started during lockdown and even if you're just starting out like growing a few lettuces or something simple um, and you're planning on expanding it's a really nice one to read it's a gorgeous read anyway even if you're not going to cook from it or necessarily grow things there's beautiful illustrations and yeah it's just a kind of a wealth of knowledge so yeah especially if you want someone at home to start growing things for you this is the book to give them a gorgeous one fabulous well, listen thank you so much for going through that all with us tonight ali the article is on the irishtimes.com website so people can log on there to get the, the full list and um, I'm looking forward to seeing some of those in my Christmas stocking this year yeah no hopefully now and I mean I have a whole other long list of cookbooks that are non-Irish but let's focus on getting the the money back into Ireland this year and yeah I, ha I have it up, up on my Instagram as well which is um, just like at Ali Dunworth and I always have kind of the latest articles linked in there as well so you can click in and yeah they're all easily available brilliant thanks again ali and have a lovely christmas thanks sharon you're listening to the best possible taste on west limerick 102 fm welcome back to the best possible taste i'm sharon noonan and just before the break food drinks and travel writer ali dunworth shared her list of great irish cookbooks that she wrote about recently in the Irish Times. If you're just tuning in now and you missed that, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. 
Now, my next guest this evening joins us from Conceal down in Cork. Kate and Dennis Dempsey set up the Conceal Meat Company in 2016, and I'm delighted to have Kate join us tonight to share the story of how it all began and how it's going. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Kate Dempsey from Kinsale Mead. Thanks so much for joining me on The Best Possible Taste. Mead is a very interesting drink, um, maybe one that people think belongs to the history books. And indeed, it has a very long history with Ireland and you have brought it certainly into the 21st century. So before we talk about your business in detail, just tell us a bit about mead as a drink. Sure. Um, yeah, so mead is the is is actually the oldest alcohol in the world. Um, we did a lot of digging in, into the history, um, which is fascinating. But of course, you could be here all day. But it's the oldest in the in the world. It's six and a half thousand BC. They found some in a grave in China, uh, and just you know, six and a half thousand BC. You know, you need to get it into your head how long ago that was. It's about four thousand years before we invented the wheel. So that means that really we were um, drinking a lot longer than we've been driving. And I think it's very interesting whenever it comes to what it's made out of, because it's made out of honey. That's right, yeah. Uh, so it's it's a fermented honey drink, really, as long as people have been managing bees and taking the honey from it, they've been making alcohol from it. Um, and, and it comes into the Irish history. It's woven through Irish history. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, we th- think that beekeeping skills came into Ireland around the 5th century AD with um, an Irish monk called St Molliger and he was said to have brought the bees to Ireland um, uh, from uh, St David's uh, monastery in Wales. He was sent back to Ireland to start converting us to Christianity. His bees were said to have missed him and they followed his ship across the Irish Sea. So yeah, it's a long way for a bee but yeah they're they're very hardy (laughs) a very interesting story behind it all and and your story then what was your inspiration for starting up a meadery because obviously in ireland now we have seen such um a number a big number of gin distillers um coming to the fore craft brewing but you've gone for mead tell us why you decided to go for that well, I think we've always been aware of mead, um, partly in the history, in in all sorts of, you know, in, it's in Chaucer, it's in Shakespeare and things like that. We come across it in lots of kind of fantasy uh, things, you know, Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones and things like that. So we knew, we knew it had been around. We'd had some fantastic meads from uh, Eastern Europe and, and the USA, but then we knew that there was none in Ireland. So we've been kicking this idea around for a while. Uh, along with other ideas as well. But we ended up actually on the hill of Tara. Have you been up there in County Mead? I haven't. Yeah. I, I, I'd say I've, I've driven past it on the, yeah. on the M1 up to Belfast. Yeah, it's worth worth a detour, all right. So, so you walk up to the top of this hill, you can see other hills in the distance. Uh, it was the ancient seat of the high kings and queens of Ireland. Uh, and there used to be a lot of mead drinking going on up there because we found ourselves um, standing on the footprint of the great mead hall of Tara. And we went, wow, it's been done before. You know, how hard can it be? So that's really when it kind of tipped over into being reality. And what were you doing up until then? Were you working in the food and drink space? Not at all, no. Um, we, we were working at Dennis is an engineer, as my other half, uh, and I was working kind of in IT. Uh, yeah, so it, it's a big, big change in direction. 
but yeah, we moved we moved down to to Kinsale. Dennis is from West Cork, you know, about an hour away from here, so we moved back down to Kinsale. It's always we've always been visiting Kinsale because um, I mean, partly because it's a long long time ago we got married here actually so it's always had a special place in our heart but it's a lovely town to to live in if you've ever been here well worth a visit um uh, you know overlooking the harbour really nice food and drink here lovely people yeah it definitely has a great reputation for food and you being there now with your meadery certainly adds another dimension to that for the visitor to the area um, you do you do tours of the the meadery, but before we get into that, tell me about the different products then that you do because there must have been a bit of a journey from deciding at the Hill of Tara this is something we're going to do to having your first product on the shelves. Absolutely, yeah, long long steps uh, between between there and where we are today. So I mean, first of all, we we started making some kind of experimental batches in the basement of our house. Um, so yeah, they're working out the best because because um, working out the best recipes and the process as well. Uh, so uh, the meat very much depends on how good the honey is and how punchy a flavour there is in the honey that can that can last through fermentation. So we tried all sorts of different honeys from all sorts of different places. Um, Ireland, as you probably know, has a very low producer of honey. We're the fourth lowest in uh, the EU. And we've just only just taken over fin, overtaken um, Finland, you know. So we uh, it, we can't get an awful lot of Irish honey. So we ended up finding this amazing orange blossom honey from Valencia in southern Spain, and it has a beautiful flavour. Uh, and then once you ferment it, um, yeah, that, that that lovely kind of citrus and floral flavour of the nectar from the orange blossoms. That's what comes through. So we did these experimental batches. Uh, and, and worked out our recipes for that and then also for our berry meads. Um, we started with um, a black currant and, and dark cherry uh, berry mead um, uh, and, we, and we got those down. We, we worked with Bob Beer a lot, the, the you know, the Irish food board. They're fantastic really for small businesses and they helped us a lot with um, some consumer research um on names you know names are very important of products uh the shape of the bottle even the 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 layout on on the label um yep uh, and eventually we, we moved down to Kinsale here and we um we, we um literally put the floor down that's when I that's when I time it from it's in February 2017 put the floor down brought in the equipment um and started making our first batches um, and part part of the research journey was actually talking to other mead makers as well, because mead making is a very small, very tight community. So we got a lot of help from mead makers all over, actually, uh, particularly in the US, but also in, in Europe as well. Just working out, you know, very technical stuff like things like floor drains and hoses and things like that, you know. Um, so you, you put the question out there and you'll get lots of help. Um, it's been really useful. They want people to make really good mead. You know, because if the first mead that somebody tries is 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 not is substandard, of course you're never going to buy my mead. You know, so we we do the same when people are, are talking about making mead at home or whatever. We we always help them out with things that what not to do. You know, <laughs> it's lovely to hear that it's such a supportive community. Absolutely, yeah, and of course, you know, we're the only meadery in Ireland um, at, at the moment, um, commercially producing. There, there's a couple of other lads um, um, talking about doing it. Um, 
but um, the, the drinks community in Ireland, um, I mean, you know, you, you get to know everybody um, fairly quickly and they've been very, very helpful as well. From having the idea in 2016 at the Hill of Tara to putting down the, the floor in February 2017, it's not actually a very long time. You, you must have worked at the speed of light to make it all happen. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a lot of a, a lot of work and a lot of trial and error. A good few batches going down the drain. Yeah, so there you go. It's a learning experience. Every everything you do, you know. And tell me then about the serving of mead. You know, is there a certain sort of glass? Should it be at a certain temperature? Should it be served with a tonic or an ice, for example? And mm-hmm. and like in terms of quantity is it a wine glass serving or is it like a sherry glass serving what's the best way for somebody to enjoy it yeah um we we recommend um we use what what you call a stemless wine glass so it's a wine size serving one two five mil if you're going to measure it um and that's because if you put particularly the atlantic dry which is the um the mead that's made from the orange blossom if you put that in a wine glass it's funny your brain expects it to taste like white wine and it doesn't taste like white wine so you've got this kind of um you know confusion on your palate there so we do recommend putting it in a stemless wine glass or a tumbler something like that uh, the atlantic dry you'd serve um lightly chilled same for the hazy summer mead that was the third mead that we brought out with lots of summer berries but the wild red mead which is more of the wintry one that we have at room temperature and that's lovely and rich with those black currants and sweet dark cherries so you've mentioned a few different ones there how many are in the the range altogether? We have um, three uh, meads that we have year-round, which is the um, Atlantic Dry, Wild Red and Hazy Summer Mead. And then we have some limited editions. So we have three different barrel aids at the moment. Uh, and we also have a, um, a mead called uh, uh, Wildflower Mead, which is the only mead we make from Irish honey. And that's very seasonal. You know, we get the honey from our local beekeeper in kind of um, beginning of September. And we make that batch uh, and then it, it sits and matures in the meadery and it's not ready until maybe April or May. Um, and we sold out of last year's, you know, already. So so there's no uh, wildflower mead around until next April or May. So we've actually got a waiting list, you know. So that's a great thing to have. I never thought that would happen. It sounds like the response was very good whenever you first came to market with the product. Yeah, um, um, so there's a lot of curiosity about it. We've taken the mead to lots of tastings and events and festivals all over Ireland. And it's a matter of getting people to taste it first, because if you don't know what, what you're going to taste, it's very difficult to buy a, um, a whole bottle. So we have um, a, a mead gift set, which has three minis in it. So that's one way of trying it out if, if you don't kind of come in contact with us at one of the festivals. Um We've probably t- tasted to probably at this stage, probably 30,000 people, you know, uh, and now we're starting to to well. Now we're starting to meet people who've had it before, which is great, and they're already fans. So they're just coming back just to have another another few bottles. Um, but most people expect it to be sweet because, of course, it's made from honey. Um, so that's the first step uh, for sure. We make all of our main meads off dry, and um, so we ferment most of the sugars out uh, so that you, you leave a little visit your sugar in to showcase the flavours from the, the honey and from the berries but it's not a sweet drink so it's great with food that's really the intention there and you have details on your website that are you know food pairings that you recommend which of your meads goes with certain items for example 
That's right. Yeah. So the the wild red meat, which is our wintry meat, that that goes lovely with um, rich foods, rich flavors. My my go to for that would be sticky barbecue ribs, especially if you put some in the marinade, which is just gorgeous. Um. Also, the um, chocolate is amazing. All of the kind of Christmassy goodies, your your mince pies, your Christmas pudding, Christmas cake, rich foods like that. Uh, and things like good uh, good sausages, black pudding, um, things like that. Yeah. Okay. The uh, the hazy salmon is is much more fruity. It's slightly lighter. That's only eleven percent alcohol. The uh, most of the others the others are twelve percent alcohol. So the fruitiness in that just means it can ha probably handle slightly spicier foods. So spicy chicken wings, chorizo, bean burrito, things like that. And of course berry desserts, berry pavlova, and why not um, berry trifle. That'd be lovely. Wow, it sounds amazing. So it does. And I'm sure whenever you're at the events, that is a great way to get the name of the product out there within Ireland. But from an international perspective, I would imagine the exporting is very important to you. And you've won a number of awards, which is a great way to get your product in front of an international audience. That's absolutely right. Yes. And one of the the first uh, most important awards for us anyway is, is called the Mazer Cup. It's an international mead um, competition and it's judged by our fellow mead makers. So these are people who know um, what mead tastes like um, and, and know when they're tasting a good mead. So we've won gold medals from that for, um, I think, Three, three years we've, we've won gold medals from that and that one and then also the European um, mead, mead um, competition it just it means that we're, they were making some of the best mead that there is in the world and, and it's just in this uh, small family run meadery down in Kinsale so we're really getting the name out there. So for anybody that went to Kinsale and they said I must do a tour of the meadery what does that involve and what do they see on that visit? Sure, the, the tours last about uh, an hour. Um, we, we, they, when you come into the meadery, um, we, we talk a bit about the, the history and some of the amazing stories uh, of mead and bees and honey around the place. Then we go into the meadery and we taste different honeys because I, I think it's quite a, a revelation to some people is how different honeys can be um, depending on the, the food source that where the bees have been. Uh, we also talk a bit about... Um, how important biodiversity in particular is for bees um, and, and some of the, the issues and some of the projects that there are around, all around the world, actually, for, for helping wild pollinators. Uh, we show them a bit of the process, tell them some of the funny stories of, of, of things that went wrong <laughs> and, uh, and then come back into the meadery. We taste it, um, a few different meads um, and like, for example, in the winter, we'll often taste a mulled mead because that's uh, that's really lovely for and warming, you know, before you go back out into the cold. Well, look, it sounds like it's a fabulous experience. It is a fabulous product. So for anybody that wants to maybe get their hands on it, where is the best place for them to go to? We uh, we sell online at our website, which is kinsalemeadco.ie. Uh, we're in lots of different super values all around the country and specialist food stores and independent off licenses. And if you're local, 
favorite shop isn't stocking us, go and ask them. That's called creating demand. So, and then they'll come to us and hopefully they will, we'll get uh, further out there. Yeah, a great tip there. Yeah, if you can't find something in a particular shop, just to ask for the manager and ask if they can get their hands on it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Kate, lovely to talk to you this evening. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your, I'm sure you're very busy at this time of the year with gifting and whatnot. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to me and continued success. Thanks very much, Sharon. It's lovely to, to see you. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102 FM. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and just before the break, Kate Dempsey from the Conceal Meat Company joined us to share the company's story to date. And earlier on in the programme, food, drinks and travel writer Ali Dunworth shared her list of great Irish cookbooks that she wrote about recently in the Irish Times. If you're just tuning in now and you've missed all of that, you might want to catch the best possible taste on West Limerick 102 FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app. And that brings us to the end of tonight's programme and indeed to the last best possible taste for 2022. Thanks a million to my guests, Ali Dunworth and Kate Dempsey, and to you as always for listening in tonight. I'll be sharing some second helpings shows until the end of the year and for the month of January, but I will be back in February 2023. So until then, I wish you and yours a happy and healthy Christmas and New Year and be sure to enjoy the festive celebrations. And as always, bon appétit. Do you want to get in touch with the best possible taste? Do you want to come on, share a recipe, review a cookery book, or just have a general chat about what you like to eat and drink? All you have to do is get in touch with me, Sharon Noonan, by sending an email to s.noonan at live.ie or send me a tweet at Queen of Org. Bon appétit.